This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When it comes to content, never a good idea to try and like put on this facade of what you are or, or be like this you know, people think of the YouTube personalities where they're like super extroverted and outgoing. And it's yeah. like, how many, how many celebrities, how many super big influencers do we see deal with things like that? Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited for this, uh, this conversation we're about to have. I think a lot of listeners and want, and people that are watching are going to benefit a lot from this conversation. But for those that don't know who you are or, or your origin story, fill us in on, on the beginning. All right, I will try and keep it relatively succinct. Um, yeah, I've had to do a few of these intros on different podcasts now, and I always, I don't know, it's always kind of the same thing, so I try yeah. and just get through it relatively quick. But yeah, um, yeah the, I'll go in real quick, just like the reason that I got into content stuff and, and just like, especially from the social anxiety side of it and, and things, a lot of what I talk about in that realm stems from my high school experience when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, especially, um, I dealt with decent amount of social anxiety. It was never something that was diagnosed. I never had like actually diagnosed. I never took medication for it, but I was just always so concerned with what everyone thought of me and worried so much about everyone's perception of Andrew and of my life. And the way that it manifested for me was I was very quiet. I was like super, super, super quiet because I figured the way that my mind just like comprehended or, or conceptualized this idea of, of everyone's judgments of me. It was not that I, wanted to be liked by everyone. It was that I was so concerned with being disliked by anyone that I figured, or my mind figured, if I just didn't really say much at all, no one could have a negative opinion of me. It's not that people would have a super positive opinion of me necessarily. It was always just like, oh yeah, Andrew's a you know, nice guy, fairly quiet, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. they would, like no one would ever say, oh, you're, you know, I don't like that kid. It's like, no, there was not, I wasn't allowing people to have an opinion because I wasn't putting myself out there in the way that, for example, I do now. Now it's like, yeah, tons of people don't necessarily have a positive opinion of me, but like, that's their problem. That's not my problem. Yeah. So that was where a lot of this stemmed from. Everything I talked about was those years of just a lot of suffering through worry, you know, always worrying about what was going to happen in the future always worried about other people's perception of me. Um, through college, it got a little better. I read the book. Uh, I read two books towards the end of college, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson and The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And that sort of sort of opened my eyes to those understandings a little bit and that it, it doesn't really make much sense to care so much about what everyone thinks of you. And so I started to understand that a little bit more and Power of Now uh, just recognizing that, you know, the present moment's the only thing we have. There have been a lot of 
sort of layers to that that I've gotten through. When I first read the book, even the first three or four times I read the book, it didn't get through to me really until it wasn't even until like about a year ago that I really recognized like what that was talking about. It was all conceptual before then. Um, so those helped. I got into meditation, uh, towards the end of college around 2018. And then, uh, my last sort of hurdle with caring what people think of me was starting, starting to create content, which I started, uh, July, 2020. Uh, it was something that I knew I wanted to do for a while. Uh, I knew for a fact that it was something I would regret when I was older for whatever reason, it was just like creating content kept coming up as something that I would regret not doing. And so finally, after, and I went through a specific exercise. We can get into that also if you want, but long story short, started making content. And that was like the last hurdle for getting over, like caring what people think. And ever since then, it's been a lot of ups and downs creating content too, but definitely net positive and been doing that. I also have a full-time job uh, and yeah, that's kind of a, a little bit of that's the awesome. background. There. That's awesome. There's a lot to unpack there, but I think um, this podcast got 10 times better because I think a lot of people can relate to, to where you were. And um, I, I think we should just we should just go into it. Like if if you're talking to your high school self, if, if there's a teenager that's, you know, stressed out, uh, worried about what other people think, um, you know, probably goes out parties or hangs out with friends, but doesn't really know if that makes them happy or not, just does what everyone else thinks is cool. What would you, what would you tell that person? What would you start with? Yeah. So I think it's the few different ways we can take this. I think one recognition that's very important is that we have a bit of a delusional understanding of what other people think about and everyone thinks that everyone is perceiving them in a certain way. And they think they know how they're perceiving them. And just from like a rational, logical approach, if you think about your own life, just use your own life as an example, like how often do you, how much time do you actually spend thinking about other people and judging other people relative to how much you think about your own life? For example, if, an example I like to use, if you're someone who likes to make to-do lists for your day, everyone can kind of relate to that. You've probably made a to-do list at some point, but if you were even just right now for tomorrow to make a to-do list, how many of those say you were going to write 10 things you want to get done tomorrow? How many of those things would have to do with anyone else outside of yourself? Probably none. No one's going to write down like judge Johnny's Instagram picture and make fun of the way that someone else is dressed. It's like, how often do you remember how other people were dressed? And yet we spend so much time basing the way we dress or the way we act or the way we do things off of how other people are going to perceive us for doing that. And the big secret to all of this is like, everyone's doing the same exact thing. Everyone's so concerned about what everyone thinks of them while simultaneously only worrying about themselves. And it's this just fascinating recognition. So when you're able to really internalize that and you see that, oh, everyone else is in their own universe that's just as deep as mine and they're worried about themselves and how I am perceiving them just as much as I'm worried about how they are perceiving me. So there's a lot of freedom in that recognition that just people really aren't thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. And yeah. there is going to be some passing judgments always, but 
it's so fleeting that it's essentially like could be close to, to zero amount of the time. So um, that that recognition has helped me. And it's something you can practice too. Like you think someone's going to judge you for doing X, Y, or Z. Try it out. Give it a shot. See how many people actually judge you for doing it or care even at all. And it's, yeah. it's like very, very infrequent that it actually ever happens. Yeah. I mean, that one, one of your videos when you're uh, just walking in New York and just making content and saying that no one gives a fuck. And then you just stand on that bench and he's like, you're like, yeah, look, no one's saying anything. And I, uh, I wish I would have saw that video before I made a video in the, in the airport, because that was so, that was so freeing to see because I made a video in the airport on the way to New York and I was so like stressed out. I was wondering what other people were thinking of me. And then I made the video and I was like, no one actually cared. Like, no one asked me anything. No one did anything. People were just walking. They were just eating. They were just sitting there on their phones. And so I could I could definitely relate to that. And even even when I started creating content, too, I was like, God, if I, if I start making content around investing and, you know, compound interest and crypto, I mean, people at school are going to think of me as like a clown i mean they're just gonna make fun of me but in reality like half the kids at my school don't even know i have a tiktok uh so it's like they don't well they know i have a tiktok now but they didn't when i started right and so um i could definitely i can definitely see the the benefit in that and definitely recommend everyone to just not care what other people think and just do you yeah. i mean everyone has their own life and they have their own um you know, focus, like, like what Andrew said, you know, they're worried about their themselves and what they're doing. So <clears throat> that's, that's some good shit right there. So you have a, you have another video that you said, uh, we have no idea if something is good or bad. We need to stop judging everything that happens to us. And this, this like ancient, um, like study or, or I, idea that explains this. Can you, can you explain that further and, and kind of how we can all do that and just stop judging everything that happens to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that is rooted in the understanding that we can't predict the future. So you don't actually know what one thing is going to lead to and what that next thing is going to lead to and what that next thing is going to lead to. And yet we still sit here and judge every single little thing that happens to us throughout the day and think, we do it in such a way that we think that we know it's like a concrete, this is bad, this is good. But it's like, well, if that, you know, thing you've labeled as bad leads to something good and the good quote unquote good thing wouldn't have happened without the bad thing happening, is the bad thing still bad? It's like, well, that's up for debate now at this point. So it's rooted in that understanding, but it's really just that you can't see the bigger picture. You don't know what the bigger picture is in any situation and thinking that you do and thinking that you have to judge every single little thing. And I don't really know where I'm curious where that comes from as, as humans that we feel this urge to just like judge everything and label yeah. everything. And, but it, it, it creates this very turbulent, life where we're constantly yeah. up and down, up and down, up and down. And when you're able to kind of 
steady those ups and downs a little bit, or even, you know, it's kind of like riding the wave, that sort of analogy of recognizing that, oh, you're in a, you're in a lull right now. It's okay. You don't know what the future is going to bring. You don't know that this is actually an objectively bad thing. There's going to be an upswing. Like life is the ebbs and flows. So as things ebb or dip or whatever, however you're perceiving it, recognizing that it's not going to be like that forever and other things are going to happen, but they'll happen more quickly, the less overly judgmental you are about the situation that you're in right now. Because if you're labeling it as bad and feeling worse because you're labeling it as bad or even labeling yourself as bad at something, you know, say you're uh, you, you start a podcast and you have this idea in your head that you're bad at doing podcasts. That's only going to make you worse at doing them. And it's not even that you have to tell yourself that you're really good at it because that's kind of the same mentality. It can just be, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, you know, I, I have confidence in myself. I have faith in myself and I'm going to handle whatever comes my way. So something I remind myself of just all the time when it comes to good and bad, when it comes to judgments, when it comes to ideas I have about myself and the world is just, I don't know. I'm constantly telling myself, I don't know. I don't know if this is good. Yeah. I don't know if this is bad. I don't know if I am good or bad at this, but you know, let's find out. Let's be here now and experience it and see what happens. See where it takes me. That, that's dope. Yeah. I mean, even just that little line of saying that you're bad at podcasts. I, that, that's what I thought in the beginning. I was like, ah, I'm bad at this. I'm just, I'm bad at it. But as, as I did it more, I was like, you know what? It's just the thought of me saying that I'm bad just makes me feel more like uncomfortable and worse uh, on doing the podcast. And even when you said like, if you view the world bad, then it's probably going to be bad. But if you view the world good, then it's probably going to be an amazing world. Um, it's it's just it's so interesting uh viewing it like yeah i mean the in the 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 power of our thoughts yeah oh absolutely i've i've a kind of interesting story is actually something that triggered me to start posting content it was like the last thing i had to go through was it, and it was a self-limiting belief that i had that i was i always thought for a while that i was not a good communicator not good at articulating ideas and not a good speaker. And it's like funny thinking back that that was like something I believed to be so true, given like how much content I post and how much I talk about shit and articulate ideas and, and whatnot. But I had this idea and it was actually at my job, like my day job that I have, it's in digital advertising. It's like very client facing. And I had this idea in my head that I just wasn't great on client calls. I wasn't, I didn't speak very confidently. I couldn't answer questions very well. And my boss had us go through this exercise, not directly because I had these thoughts, but just to see, to be able to see how we do on a call. So we had to record yeah. the call. And afterwards I was like, oh, that didn't go that great. You know, they asked me these questions and like, it took me a while to respond. And I had all these like ideas in my head and then I listened to it back and none of it was true. Like the, the thing that I thought took me seven seconds to respond to was actually one second and it wasn't even mm. noticeable. And so after that, I was like, oh, I, I did answer those questions really well. I was able to articulate all that stuff really well. And it was like this whole idea of myself that I had just like vanished. And that was the last step I needed 
to start posting content because I had all these limiting beliefs about who I thought I was because I thought I was what I thought I was. And so once I realized, oh, I'm actually not bad at all of those things, I felt more confident in starting to make content because all those things I thought to be true weren't actually true. And that was like a week before I made my first YouTube vlog, which is like the first piece of content I ever made back in July, 2020. Yeah. Where do you, where do you think those thoughts come from? Because it's like, I, I, I can just envision someone listening, watching they're, they're probably in, you know, school or whatever they're doing. And, um, you know, they're, they have this similar beliefs on, you know, what they might think they're bad at. Where do you think those, those come from? Uh, they, they come from a number of places. And I think sometimes a lot of it stems from childhood. Like it's, it's interesting. I, I won't get too into, I don't know if you're familiar with like brainwave frequencies, like beta alpha, uh, theta delta, no. kind of like the main four. Um, but real quick, like theta is sort of like a state of hypnosis. And it's something that we go into right as we're falling asleep, right as we're waking up beta and alpha are what we're in like throughout the day for the most part. And delta is like deep sleep. And I hope I'm getting all this correct. I think it's approximately correct. It doesn't matter so much for this story, but anyway, the, the state of theta that we go into for like a few minutes, twice a day as we're falling asleep and waking up is our primary state between the ages of like three to eight years old. So that's when we're like just downloading everything we're experiencing and we're just like Mm. a sponge that we're taking in all this information. So that's why kids who are that age are just so vulnerable because everything they see and experience. So now when I see, you know, like a parent cursing at a kid who's like seven years old, I'm just like, Oh man, that's brutal. Cause that kid is just downloading that experience into its subconscious. And so a lot of it comes from there. A lot of it comes from how, it could just be like a few traumatic experiences that make you think that you're not good at something. Um, I think a lot of people just get this idea of themselves in their head and over time they don't really question it. So they just assume that's what they are and they assume it's correct, which is kind of crazy to think that like you actually have the correct idea of yourself in your head when we're always changing, like every single situation we're in every single moment, we're always changing. So to think that you could have a concrete idea of yourself in your head is a little bit strange, but I think it comes from like a number of different places. So that's why yeah. a lot of stuff I talk about is just why it's so important to question everything, including like who you think you are, what you think you are, what you think you're good at, because most of that is all rooted in the past. But if you recognize that you're only ever the moment, you're only ever right now, there is no story to go along with that. And you're just rawly experiencing existence as the here and now as opposed to the story coming along with you yeah 100 percent. and i think it also comes yeah i mean just from like the environment like you said uh, if a parent is bashing on the kid or you know it could be a a a friend or someone telling you that hey maybe you shouldn't do that or maybe you're not really good with that or whatever i think that's a that's a huge and uh, huge impact on that. But you, you mentioned that, <clears throat> um, if you didn't create content, that that would be a regret later on in life. And you always, uh, make videos about, you know, uh, imagining yourself on your deathbed and you're, you know, 90, uh, 90, a hundred years old, you know, what would you, uh, 
in looking back on your life, what would you regret? And, you know, just do those things and, and, and have live life with no regrets. So how do you think that we could live life with, with no regrets? So my perspective on this has shifted a little bit. So talking about, you know, making content that helps me a lot for sure. Um, and I, I literally went through that exercise. I would imagine being a hundred years old on my deathbed, like really get into that state, like feel like with my eyes closed, feel like I'm wrinkly old, like hearts beating kind of slowly. And I would think about my life and what do I regret about my life? And literally I did that for like a year and a half. And every single day it was not creating content, not creating content, not creating content every day. And I still didn't create content until a year and a half after I started doing that every day. I knew that every morning it was like part of my morning routine was going through that. And I just, I still couldn't, I was still too afraid of how people were going to judge me. Still too afraid of what people would think of me afraid of, you know, is it going to be any good? Like blah, 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 all this stuff. And so finally, after all that time, it, uh, I finally did it. So I think with regret, it's interesting because yeah, I don't even know how I would perceive it now. I think that exercise can be super helpful just to keep yeah. things in perspective that like you are gonna die this, this, you know, idea that you think you are is going to die one day. Um, and, and death is sort of like the stark end to the illusion of youth being what you think you are, um, essentially, but we can get into that a little bit more too, but yeah, with, with regret, I think it's just, yeah, taking some time with some clarity to think about what you actually want to do. And then sometimes an exercise like that can be helpful. Um, but in terms of looking back on your life, like for me right now, I'm very happy and I enjoy my life a lot. So there's nothing it's, it, there's some freedom in recognizing that like, there's nothing in my life leading up to right now that I regret because it, every single aspect of it, even the, the social anxiety going through that in high school, like I would not have this content right now if it wasn't for that experience. So I don't regret mm. going through that. I don't regret anything leading up to right now. Cause it, every, every single moment got me to right now, led me down a path that got me to this moment here and now. So to think that there are things to regret with that, um, doesn't really check out anymore. And it's also just not really worth contemplating it too much in terms of like how your life has been thus far. Um, but it's just having some clarity so that, you know, you are doing things that you want to be doing. And, and not yeah. living based on how other people perceive you can help a lot. Yeah. And I think the same thing goes with like failure too. It's like, uh, failure is the best teacher. You know, a lot of, a lot of the things I've learned have come from a lot of my biggest failures. And so now that you say that, I mean, I would, I a hundred percent agree. It's like, I wouldn't trade or go back and not fail at that particular moment because without that failure, I wouldn't have learned uh, what not to do or what to do and to do, um, that led me here. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a really big, good insight. Um, I mean, you, you talk about perspectives and, and, and thoughts all the time. 
I mean, and you do a lot of research and a lot of experience with all these perspectives. I'm just, I'm just curious, like what's the main thing to realize when it comes to like your perspective and like our thoughts or like, what is, what do you believe is like the best perspective on life? Um, yeah, it's like, that's a good question. Like the, the number one reminder, I mean, anything I talk about really comes back to the recognition that I am right now. I am the awareness of right now and that's it. I'm not a story. I'm not my past. I'm nothing leading up to this moment. I am this moment. And in that recognition, there are an infinite number of possibilities at my disposal. Like everything leading up to right now is just the story of what I think I am. Like if someone were to, you know, tell ask, tell me about yourself. When someone says that in like an interview or something, people just start saying stuff from their past, saying things they've done, saying things they've accomplished, saying things they've, you know, whatever it may be, trauma they've been through, probably not in an interview, but you know, yeah. that's how they define themselves, but that's right. all the past. So if you were to ask a question, you know, define yourself, but you can't use the past, it's like, oh, that kind of puts your mind in a pretzel a little bit because yeah. we know we've already been through, you know, the past doesn't exist. A lot of people can conceptually understand that. And yet they define the idea of themselves based on the past. So it's kind of like directly contradictory or oxymoronic yeah. in a way. Um, but without that, you're just aware here and now. So remembering that you're not what you think you are, you're never what you think you are, uh, cuts through a lot of those limiting beliefs, I would say, and allows you to realize that there are an infinite number of possibilities in the here and now when you relax into that. But with that comes the recognition that everything beyond this moment is totally uncertain. And mm. people try to cling to certainty uh, and control because it makes them feel better. So recognizing that you are not what you think you are, you are not a story and everything beyond this moment is completely uncertain, which is okay. That's the thing. It's like, it's okay for things to be uncertain. A lot of times when people deal with things like anxiety, they start recognizing that something is uncertain or start feeling like they're losing control and they try and grasp to that control. And if they can't grasp onto some sense of control, they start to feel anxious because they felt like they've lost control. And so in the recognition that you never had that control to begin with, there's a lot of freedom in that recognition that uncertainty is our reality and that's okay. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Damn. Andrew spitting bars guys. If you're listening <laughs> and watching, you love this, please uh, subscribe, subscribe to the, the Spotify, Apple, C leave your comments down below. I check and respond to all those like the video, share it with everyone, you know, uh, but Andrew, I want to get into uh, gratitude for a little bit because um, I feel like a lot of people, especially probably watching and listening, don't understand the importance of gratitude and uh, you know how they can be more grateful. So um, why is why is gratitude super important and, and how can someone be more, more grateful for what they have? Yeah, so my perspective on this has shifted a little bit over the last year or so as well. Um, I think 
I think with all of these things, it's important to remember that there are sort of like there, there's a path for everyone and there isn't. So there is and there isn't because the recognition of like, you know, people like to call it enlightenment or whatever is just yeah. the recognition that right now is all there is. And so there is no path because you're always here and now you're always here. You're always, it's always now. So there isn't anywhere to get, there isn't anywhere to go because there isn't anywhere to get that isn't here now where you are, where you always have been, what you always have been. So people get caught up in striving for certain things and they don't recognize that the striving for enlightenment, that striving is the thing keeping them from the recognition because they think that there is somewhere to get. There is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if they just you know, work hard enough and read enough and, and do all of this. And it's like, there are things you will can accomplish, you know, in the eyes of the world, but peace is found in the recognition that there isn't anywhere to get. So when it comes to gratitude, I think there, my perspective on this has shifted a little bit because when it comes back to the identity, which we can get into a little bit, but uh, recognizing that the identity, the story of what you think you are, thinking you are this character, typically for most people becomes sort of like the root of their suffering or has always been the root of their suffering. Like people who are afraid of certain things or, or anxious about certain things or worried about things. It's, it's not super often that someone is worried or anxious about something that doesn't have to do with their idea of themselves. That's where it comes back to for the most part. It's like, how is this person perceiving me? How are all these people going to judge me? I'm worried about X, Y, Z that has to do with the idea of self. So I have shifted away from identity based practices, sort of like the act of gratitude in saying like, I'm grateful for these things that I have because and people sometimes disagree with this, but I think when you're grateful for something that you have, it kind of inherently creates a fear at the same time of losing that thing. So I think if you go deep enough, you can go full circle to recognizing that, say, for example, you're grateful for like 10 things and then you pick through each one. You're like, well, what if I lost that? Would I still be okay? Yes. What if I lost that? Would I still be okay? Yes. And you go through and you recognize like, oh, I would still be okay without all of those things. So it's, it, it can, it can be something that gets people who are, who are suffering and going through and just like, can't like, can't get out of bed in the morning. It can give them, it's like a, uh, emergency ladder if they're in the water, like trying to get into a boat, like it can help them get to a place. Absolutely. Being grateful and recognizing all of the things that they have to be grateful for, for sure. I think for me, gratitude now is something I define as just like an appreciation for existence here and now for the experiencing yeah. experience I'm having now. And beyond that, there isn't anything really physical or cerebral to think about, to be grateful for, because anytime you're basing something in thought or feeling like you want something 
outside of what is here and now, you're sort of missing your experience here and now right. a little bit. And maybe it's just like, you feel like, oh, I'm just missing it a little bit, but it's like, that is all you ever have is this experience here now as life, you know, as existence experience, experiencing itself, the here and now is that it is experience. So for me now, gratitude is just an appreciation for the moment, for the experience I am having now, for the ability to come on this podcast and have a conversation with stone. Like that's kind of the extent of it because beyond that, it's like sort of pulling yourself out of the experience. So it's just coming back to the recognition that this is it. This is I love life. that. I love that. And even like, I mean, Gary Vee says it all the time. The chances of you being alive are 400 trillion to one. So yeah. you already won. Um, but I'm, but I'm curious. I mean, you, you talk about like here and now you talk about like kind of living in the present. How do you, um, like, how do you set goals? How do you look forward to something? Do you, do you like kind of run me through that and, and how you like grow, say your business, your content, your life? How do you, how do you set goals? Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, it's something that I've sometimes have a tough time with and I've gotten yeah. better. I've found a little bit of balance to it. And I think that's very important for people to understand is that like, you can go down certain paths and I've gone down so many paths of things that I thought were like, you know, the best way to eat or the best way to work out or the best way to set goals, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times I'll find like, I'm, I very much like take things to an extreme in a lot of ways. So like I'll go to the extreme and realize like, oh, there were some consequences to that. And let's, let's reel it back a little bit. Let's like swing the pendulum back the other way. And eventually as you go through, you kind of like find your own balance with it. So with, uh, oh shit, which, what, what was the initial question about for this one again? <laughs> <laughs> Just like setting goals. Uh, do you say yeah, 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 setting goals? Setting yeah. Goals. yeah. All yeah. good. So, so I think, yeah, sometimes I just get too into it and I'm like, oh, all, all good. Yeah. Same here. It happens sometimes, but, um, yeah. so with goals, I think it comes back to the recognition that goals give you a direction. But if you feel right. like that is something you have to accomplish in order to feel more whole and complete than you are right now. It's no longer this thing that you want to achieve. It's something you need to achieve because you feel mm. like you need to derive your sense of value from that accomplishment. And growing up, I was very much goal oriented. Like I was very rigid in things and like, I need to, you know, get to this school, get this job, get this grade, blah, blah, blah. And so now I think of goals more so as directions and a way to send me in a certain direction, but while keeping in mind that I'm not necessarily going to always stay on that exact path or having some fluidity and flexibility to veer off depending on, you know, what life has in store for me. So instead of yeah. feeling like I need to accomplish that thing, it's a way to put me in a direction let's start going this way because I know inherently I am already whole and complete exactly as I am 
right now. There's nothing that could make me more or less complete. So there is no goal that could be accomplished that would make me more complete than I am right now. So why don't we just see what happens? Let's, let's try this thing and see where it goes. If I perceive it as a success or a failure, it doesn't really matter because either way, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like failures are just learning experiences. And as soon as you become comfortable with failing, like you can do anything, like there's so much more freedom in the recognition that it's okay to fail. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't actually diminish your value or self-worth even a tiny bit. So now I think of goals more so as directions. Like I'll set a goal with the understanding that the odds of this happening exactly how I think it will right now are essentially zero. So as things start playing out differently than I originally anticipated, there's no clinging to like, oh, no, 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 I need to, I need to stay on this path because then you're just yeah. resisting, you know, the experience you're having in the moment, resisting life to a degree. Right. But, I love yeah, that. So that's There's so many clips there. Yeah. So many, so many, uh, <laughs> so many good thought processes. And, and it's true. It's like, even if you like, I see people all the time set goals for like three to five years in advance too. And it's like, how is that? How is that like measurable? Because it's like people, uh, people change, you change, the economy changes, uh, marketing changes, like even in business too. It's like so many things change. So I like the thought of it just being like a direction, like we're going, we're just going to go here, you know, and maybe we'll go here. And I, I love that thought process. Um, let's, let's pivot though a little bit into content because dude, you just destroy content. I mean, over 600,000 followers just resonating with people, every other, vi every video. Um, and you know, I think you can really relate and resonate with a lot of people listening too. it's like, because you had that insecurity and uh, you cared a lot what other people thought. So if someone's listening and watching and thinking of, of creating content, how would you and, and why should that person start creating content? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think first and foremost, you have to do it for yourself. Like, obviously, there's the take that like you want to provide value, but it has to come back to you and expressing your authentic self. And I kind of compare content and like gaining followers to going out and like wanting to get friends. Like people, sometimes people ask, so like, for example, someone comes to me and they're like, I, I'm, I don't have many friends. Like I want more friends. And the first thing is like, well, why do you feel like you need friends? Are you not, you know, whole and complete exactly as you are right now? And it's like, uh, no, I don't feel like that. It's like, all right, well, why don't you work on that first? And then coming to terms with your own self assessment of, of why you, you feel like you're lacking, like what, what is there that the friends, cause the friends are just going to be a bandaid to that insecurity. Same with, if you're posting content followers like that, it's a way to temporarily make you feel better. But so hypothetically someone comes to me and they're like, you know, should I, should I try and be a little bit more like a little bit different than I am? I feel like I'm so boring. Like, should I, should I try and be more extroverted or outgoing to get more friends? And it's like, you can put yourself in situations for sure. And kind of like get out of your comfort zone. But I think it's a very, very, very bad idea to try and be someone that you're not or play this sort of character. 
Same thing for content. This is all like related to content in the same way. So being your authentic self is the most important because hypothetically, let's say, whether it's friends or content, you start playing this character and because you think like, oh, I'm creating content or, oh, I'm looking for friends. I need to be more bubbly or more outgoing or more extroverted so that people follow me or people become friends with me. So let's say you do that. Let's say you are more outgoing, extroverted, and you do get more friends or more followers. There's going to come a point where you can't keep playing this character because it doesn't come naturally. So you're, tr you need to remember how to act and remember how to be, and you're acting in a way with an attempt that, that is very need based because you are acting in a way, hoping that people will like you in return. So you're subconsciously expecting things out of them, which some people can feel more than others, but either way, in this situation, you're, you're getting more friends, you're getting more followers. There's inevitably going to become a point where you become anxious and depressed because you can't keep playing this character. So then you stop playing the character and you start being yourself and odds are you're going to lose those friends because they were friends with this idea of you, this character that you'd sort of portrayed or on the content side, you're going to lose followers because that wasn't who you actually were. So then you start being yourself and then it's kind of like starting from zero again. And let's say you start playing this sort of character that's more extroverted, whatever, and you don't get more friends or you don't get more followers. Then you might be like, oh shit. Well, maybe if I had just been myself to begin with, I would have, you know, people would have resonated more. And it would have been way easier because yeah. you don't have to remember how to be like being yourself is just what you are when you're not trying to be anything at all. So when it comes to either of those situations, inevitably it comes back to just being your authentic self. So when it comes to content, never a good idea to try and like put on this facade of what you are or, or be like this. You know, people think of the YouTube personalities where they're like super extroverted and outgoing and it's yeah. like, how many, how many celebrities, how many super big influencers do we see deal with things like depression or a lot of anxiety, or they go into rehab or, or whatever it may be. It's like, it's, it's so clear that that's not the answer to living a happy yeah. and fulfilled life. And yet we still sort of strive for those expectations and think we should, it's, it's a good idea to like be someone that we're not in order to gain followers and all these external metrics. But if you're not doing it for yourself, if you're not being your true authentic self, as I explained in those sort of hypothetical situations, inevitably it's going to lead to either depression and suffering to some degree. And then you start actually being your authentic self, or you just can circumvent all of that and just start from yeah. being your authentic self and building from there. Cause it's way easier to do also. Yeah, well, and there's so many, there's so many like people in that whatever niche you're going to create content in to where you're going to have to differentiate yourself from them. And one of the best ways of doing that is just by being your unique self. I mean, because you are unique, you are one of one. And if you want to differentiate yourself from everyone else, just be you, just be you convey the information, how you would convey it to anyone off camera, like just, um, you know, and I always say like, try different things in terms of content, but you can still do that by still being your unique, authentic self, right? Like different camera angles, 
different, you know, ways of creating that content, different structures, different forms. There's millions of ways to convey, convey an objective and, and, and content um, while still being your unique self. So that's, that's a huge key point. Um, but I'm curious, what is, what is your objective? Like what's, what's your mindset with, with your content? Yeah, that's a good question. So that's something I, so for me, <laughs> cause I started making content with no expectations whatsoever. There was no, I just went through that hundred year old situation for like a year and a half. And I was like, fuck, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it forever. So I succeeded the moment I put myself out there for the first time. That was success in and of itself. I had no expectation that anyone would ever, there was no like expectation of getting a following or anything like that. By the way, whatsoever. everyone should have, everyone should have that mindset. Like, especially if you're a business and you're wanting sales, like go into it without any expectation with anything in return. That is, is key. But continue, yes. sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's kind of like related to being your authentic self. And, you know, people uh, can feel when you're expecting something out of them. And it's like when when it comes to selling stuff, it, it needs to be rooted in the value you're providing, you know, not in what's in it for you as a salesperson. Yeah. But when it comes to this, so <laughs> I still don't even think about how many followers I have that much. Like, obviously I'm super aware of how many followers I have. I'm on social media every day, posting videos, responding comments, stuff like that. Like I'm very aware of it, but it, I don't know if it just like, hasn't fully sunk in or the idea that there is like a lot of opportunity for me to make money. Cause I still have a full-time job. Like I don't make a ton from content because part of me feels like I'm still in the mentality of the kid who just started making it because he had dealt with this suffering and stuff. And he just wanted to post stuff that helped him so that he can help other people. And that's what I still do. And that's what I've always enjoyed doing. I don't really love the, the sales and selling aspect of yeah. it. I don't really like selling stuff. So I think that's, and I think there's some internal insecurity within myself that, that, kind of comes to fruition with those types of things. But I think, yeah, so, so when you're going through it, it's just important to keep in mind, you know, the, the starting out and whatnot, what you're, what the why of why you're doing it. And from there, there's going to be opportunities to do things. I think my mentality now is like growing my podcast we have a Patreon, we have things like that. And really it's like very much a slow build for me. I think pretty soon here, I'm going to start doing one-on-ones, which I think that's like a, just a common first step for people. And then from there they realize, oh, I, I can expand to this or, or you start learning from other people, which I think is a side of it that I haven't really gotten is like other people's experiences and how I can directly mm -hmm. relate to them. Um, mm -hmm. So doing things like that. But yeah, I'm still sort of like in the mentality of the person who just started posting content with no expectation whatsoever. And all of a sudden it's like now year and a half, two years later, I have a ton of followers and it's like still super weird to me. It's still very yeah. strange that there's like what that am, many people, but yeah, yeah. that's amazing self-awareness though, that you, you like 
understand that, you know, you can be selling, but, you know, you're still in this stage of giving um, and it might be an insecurity of of selling. But I think, you know, you're at a stage right now to where you don't even need to ask it. it you know, like Gary Vee always says, give, 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 ask. But I think you're in a stage of like give, 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 get to where it's just it's just going to come. And but but I I am I can uh, I can only imagine like if 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 I were to do life coaching, how much you you have to like not only comprehend but like understand in terms of people's experiences and make sure not to give them something that might or might not work, you know. And so that that's definitely something that's. Uh, probably probably very difficult um but yeah i mean i mean so what do you what do you think has has made your content very successful and 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 like what do you recommend for someone let's say that has like 10 50 000 followers do you think it's just it's just value 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 or yeah i think that's a good question because I don't even think about my stuff as providing value as as weird as that might sound. Like I don't think of every video like how is this going to help someone. All I think about is like, oh, here's something that made me feel a little bit freer. Someone might resonate with it. That would be cool. It it all comes back to the sense of self, but like not in a selfish way. It's just like this helped me. So odds are it'll help someone else as opposed to, I think some people come at it with like, this could be helpful to them or like, here's a really cool, you know, idea I got from a book and now I'm going to like turn it into a video and stuff. Whereas I, early on, my stuff used to be a lot of it was like based on concepts I read about in books. Now it's much more just like experience oriented and just like thoughts that are coming out of my head and things I go through. And there's, I think when you're, when you're just a little bit more aware of your experience here and now with less and less identity for it to be filtered through, there's so many pieces and like situations in life that have such profound sort of stories behind them and, and things to learn from in that. And so as I sort of peel back, you know, that identity more and more and just experience things a little bit more rawly, there's, there's always things going on that I'm like, just on a walk through New York, and there'll be like five things that sort of hit me from situations that I, that I see. So I think when it comes to advice for posting content, as I already said, like, authentically, you know, whatever you are, when you're not trying to be anything at all, like be that as often as you can and try different things. A lot of it comes from, you know, not worrying about how people are going to perceive it, not caring if it's cringy. I think of cringing as, as I, I've said this in a video before, but I think of cringing as a coping mechanism for people who are too afraid to put themselves out there as a way to feel better about mm. it. So it's like, let them cringe. They're just displaying their insecurity because they want to feel better about not being able to put themselves out there. So put yourself out there, try things that are outside of your comfort zone and don't necessarily try to be anything at all for the world and recognize that we're all far more similar than we think 
in a lot of ways. Yep. Like we're inexplicably different, but also so similar that if there's something you've gone through or a situation you've gone through, like make a video about it because odds are people will go through and have gone through and are struggling with the same exact things. Like there are things that I've made videos 100%. about certain feelings that I've had that I was like, Oh, like no way anyone's had this feeling. And it like blows up because it's everyone's like, Oh my God, I have that same exact thing. And cause they were thinking that they were the only ones that ever experienced that. So it's just like, you can just base it off of you. You have an entire experience, a whole infinite plethora of things to talk about in whatever you're going through, whatever, you know, your niche is, whether it's dealing with business stuff or dealing with, you know, food and nutrition or working out or spirituality, like it can all come back to your experience and you'll have more than enough content to make when you stop trying to be something for everyone else and just make stuff expressing yourself and things that you're going through and being authentic. So true. So true. And you are like literally taking the document versus create, uh, like you're a clear example of that. Like you literally just document everything that you learn, like the struggles and achievements that you go through and the, you know, things that are interesting to you. And it just resonates with people. And I could definitely agree with, you know, the struggling part, because one of my best videos was just me laying in bed, uh, no hat, nothing. And I was just like, all right, I'm in this huge creative slump. Uh, and as creators, like a lot of creators won't tell you that we get in these creative slumps, like where we just, it's not about like, we don't know what to post. It's just like, we're having trouble articulating it and, and putting it into a video. And so, you know, my, uh, and then I told what I'd I told my audience what I do when I get in that stage and it's just backtrack. Why am I creating content? You know, what are my content principles? Like, what am I trying to do with this? And then just do that. And then, you know, and then you just get through it. You just step back and you just evaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, that's amazing insight. That's awesome, dude. Um, and then lastly, I, I love to talk about money, just normalizing money on this podcast. Uh, Give us give us your two cents and your view on money, and then we'll get into to some investments. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, money's interesting because I've yeah. been able to more so understand the idea that money is is energy, and it's something that just has run so rampant in our society of like how we define success, how we define all these different things. And I think it's very important for people to just take a step back and take some time to define success for themselves and define, you know, things they actually enjoy doing versus things that they're doing to try to make themselves look better or things they're buying to make, try and make themselves look better for everyone else. Cause just like, this is something that I did a few years ago was just like, really take a step back and think about that. And like, I wrote a list down that was like things that make me happy. And when one side of the list was things that made me happy that cost money, one side were things that make me happy that don't cost money. The ones that don't cost money was way longer than the one that cost money. And I found that there were some things that I was spending money on that didn't make the list. And all of a sudden, because I was able to put it on paper and see it, I was like, oh shit, maybe I don't have to spend much money on that. And all of a sudden there was more money for other things to that I actually did that did provide me with more value. And I became, because 
like when I was younger, I was always very good at like saving money and never really had many wants about things that I, I wanted to buy, like new toys and whatever, when I was like a little kid. And then even when I, uh, graduated college and like was working in New York, I, I was pretty frugal to the point that like, even if something would provide, would have provided me a net positive value for the money I would have spent on it, I like wouldn't do it. Cause I was just like trying to save as much money as I could. So now since sort of like getting that list on paper, it was easier for me to spend money on the things that I saw like did actually provide me value. And then the things that didn't make the list, I was like, yeah, I don't know, like clothes, for example, I don't, I don't really give a shit about the clothes that I wear. I have very basic wardrobe. I don't get new clothes very often. Like every couple of years I'll buy like a new set of 10 t-shirts, one of those cheap, like fresh clean tees ones that are like, so it's like a hundred bucks total. Um, so I think being go. able to take a step back to find success for yourself and what you actually want, you may find that there are certain things you're spending money on that you don't need to be as much, or you may find there are certain things you're, you're doing because you want people to perceive you in a certain way, or you want people to like you. And mm. that is a road that never really ends well and, and will cause you to just keep throwing money at it and not really get anything out of it because that's just, you know, the surface level idea of what people think you are. Um, so yeah, facts. those are some thoughts about yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, you got that right. I mean, even just in the fashion fashion industry, I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest ways of communication. Um, and one of the reasons why a lot of people spend so much money on clothes and all this shit is to try to impress people and they're th uh and make them think that i don't know like they're cool or yeah. rich or whatever uh which makes no sense because i mean again that person's probably not thinking about your gucci uh whatever wallet that you have or gucci uh purse that you have so yeah i mean dude that's that's it right there. What, what about, uh, what about investments? I mean, you, you talked, uh, you talked about Bitcoin in one of your videos. I'm, I'm huge into Bitcoin. Uh, kind of give me your two cents on, on why you're really bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, well, it's the, it's the best and hardest money ever created. Um, mm. it is actually decentralized. So, and it has a supply cap. Hard and fast supply cap, never going to be more than 21 million. So there's there's many layers to Bitcoin. I've been deep in the rabbit hole. I first got into it in 2020 uh, and, and even just recently have been like back deep into it the last month or so. Yeah. Um, but I think it's something that a lot of people don't understand, which I think is awesome because it means that we're still pretty darn early. But when you think about money, most people don't understand money they think of it just as like you know a dollar bill or something but nowadays you know with things like the fed's ability to print money that is making every single dollar that you have less and less valuable every dollar that they print if there's you know x amount say a billion dollars just hypothetically a billion dollars in the money supply if they print off another billion dollars that's not they're not doubling the value there's not you know twice as many Ferraris being produced because of that. It's like, there's the same number of Ferraris. So that just means that every, and that's just, you know, one thing you can spend your money on, whatever. But 
yeah. uh, every dollar that's in circulation is now worth half as much. That's all that it means. So they're literally stealing your money with every dollar that they print. And that is the issue with something like fiat currency, where a centralized entity like the Fed, U.S. government, has the power to control it and, and do whatever they want with it. We saw it in Canada that the government was able to freeze people's bank accounts. That allowed people to very clearly see that, oh, you don't actually own that money. Someone else owns it. Yeah. And it's sort of like kept in your name. When a bank gives a loan, they don't take money from somewhere else and give it to you. They literally just print that money out of thin air and give it to you. It's it's like nuts when you actually start to like yeah. dig into this stuff. So something like Bitcoin is... It, it has a supply cap. Like there, there's about 19 million out there right now. There's only ever going to be 21 million. People ask like, oh, they can just make more. And it's like, if you understood, and I can't articulate this part, like how complex the process yeah. of like mining and everything happens and, and the confirmation on nodes across the entire globe, it's like the strongest computing network that has ever existed. And it's not even close. People like very, very smart people. And lots of them have tried to hack it never been hacked, hasn't been changed in the last 13 years. So yep. there's a lot of aspects to it, but I think having a supply cap, understanding that say you're super rich and somehow you can get 21 Bitcoins. Like if you have 21 Bitcoins and Bitcoin becomes like the monetary reserve currency or the world reserve currency, similar to how the US dollar is now, there's only 1 million people on the entire earth that could ever be richer than you in Bitcoin terms. If you can get your hands on 2.1 Bitcoins, which is a lot more reasonable for people, there are only 10 million people in the entire world that could ever be richer than you in Bitcoin terms. And if you can get even 0.21, it's only 100 million people on the entire earth that can ever be richer mm -hmm. than you in Bitcoin terms. So it's like when you start to see it in that way and that when you can buy one Bitcoin, you're buying a piece of something that there will never be more of them created. You start to get a sense for like just how valuable this thing is. Exactly. And it's the reason that that gold was was the, you know, the backing on all on the US dollar for a while because it was the most scarce asset, but it's still not fully scarce. You know, the demand for gold goes up, there's going to be supply added because there's going to be incentive for more people to mine gold. So that's not actually scarce, whereas something like Bitcoin is. So there's going to come a day where the more and more people recognize this and really get to understand it and how it is, you know, the internet for money, um, more and more people are going to hop in and it's going to exponentially explode, you know, whether it's 100%. next year or in 10 years, who's to say, but the reason I'm in it and only, I only have Bitcoin in terms of crypto stuff is because I just don't have the time really to look into and like keep track of all the yeah. other stuff happening. There's definitely money to be made and other things, but in terms of the long game, you know, 20 years out there might not be anything besides Bitcoin. I do think it's a yep. zero sum game with the network effects. Yeah. So. Well, and I think if to understand Bitcoin and its importance and like the power of Bitcoin, you have to understand blockchain, like technology. Like you have to understand that. And going back to what you were saying with Bitcoins, more Bitcoins being made. Well, no, it's like set in stone on the blockchain on how the system is made to where there's only a, a set number of Bitcoin that's going to get added to the supply for, you know, I think it's like, I don't know, a year and a half or two years, something. And then 
it decreases in half. It's called the halvening. And so the, you know, the, the miners, when the miners uh, complete transactions on the blockchain, like this is all the nerdy sh shit, but it's interesting to, to me. It's like when they complete transactions on the blockchain, they get rewarded Bitcoin. And that's the new Bitcoin that's added to the supply. But over time, that that reward gets decreased in half. So that's why, like, there's 19, Bitcoin, 19 million Bitcoin now from 2013 to 2022. But there's only going to be two more million Bitcoin made from now to 2148. Because just over time, de uh, supply decreases. And so uh, demand goes up, price goes up, it, it becomes more stable over time. And so that's why when people are like, oh, Bitcoin has no utility. Well, it's like 100% control of your money is utility. And, and then they're like, oh, well, that's not 100% control of your money because it fluctuates. It's like, but if you understand the technology of it, over time, it's going to stabilize, especially once the last one is mined. And then, yeah. you, um, you know, I always tell people, it's like, don't envision Bitcoin as like a coin. I would envision it as technology, like iOS, like Microsoft, like Apple, because that's what it is. And then just also currency. But yeah, I mean, it's super fascinating. I'm so, so glad that you're, you're on it and you understand it. Um, anything else? Anything for me? Um, yeah. How have, uh, how has your process been with just content and like starting a podcast now? Like, where do you, do you have any, you know, short-term goals, long-term goals? Like I know you're fucking 18 which blew my mind when we met uh a week or yeah. two ago i was like holy shit i thought you were like you know 24 or something but um yeah. yeah so like how how has that been and like do you have thoughts on like you know next steps are you gonna try and do college are you gonna try and do this full time where, where yeah, are you so at things i'm like a hundred percent um on this no college so uh because it's just like the I look at it in an ROI standpoint. It's like, if I'm going to spend all oh, that time, yeah. all that energy, yeah. it's like, it's just going to be a distraction and it's just going to hold me back from this. And I see Absolutely. the potential with this. It's just like, this guy's the limit. Um, and then, so, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is just like scaling my company, you know, obviously growing that and working with uh, bigger names in the industry, getting people from YouTube to TikTok and getting even people on TikTok to other platforms, um, but also from like Instagram too. I think there's a lot of people that like just are obsessed about Instagram, even though like they don't get anything from it. Like it's very hard to find r new people and random people on Instagram. Like you're just, you're catering towards your followers and like, occasionally you'll get a couple new ones from like reels or the explore page uh, or discover page. Uh, but you know, that's why I want to transition more of those creators and from different platforms onto TikTok, help with that, um, and even like create an in-house like production team to to really help with the content aspect for larger companies, larger uh, personal brands, people that really don't have the time to sit there and, and make a TikTok video every single day. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing there. And then obviously uh, after. I, after high school, I have a lot more time. So I'm thinking of starting like kind of my own hat company, merchandise and, and, and doing that because I wear a ton of hats. And so I'm like, why, 
wear other people's hats and make them money when I can make money. And so that's one of the things I'm uh, really looking forward to. But I mean, I think I just, uh, I'm just trying to build my, my content, my audience to the, to the best I can and, and the strength of them, because a lot of people think it's like about the number of followers that you have, but in reality, it's the strength of those followers. Like I have clients that have 10, 20,000, 30,000 followers, yet they all make more than me in the first week of the month. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, all you need is a thousand strong, loyal, uh, followers that will, you know, purchase whatever you're providing and, and just be a ride or die for you. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and I want to be there and help with that because there's a lot of people in the TikTok guru, TikTok coach industry. That's like, here's how to grow. Here's how to make all these followers. Here's how to go viral. But in reality, it's like all that doesn't matter. You know, it's like, okay, you can go viral. You can get all this attention, but like, can you retain that and, and collect that information, uh, not information, uh, attention and, uh, you know, utilize it and keep them there and, and build that community and make a positive impact. And so that's the, that's the biggest thing I want to hone in on. And that's why I think I'm a lot different than a lot of these other TikTok gurus, TikTok coaches. So, yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's such a important mindset to have. I feel like with that and everyone gets so caught up in like all the vanity metrics, but mm -hmm. yeah, like that's kind of been, my perspective since I got to like around 500,000 followers, I was like, fuck, like, why am I still making videos trying to get like more followers when I have like so many? And if I can just build yeah. the depth of it and stop focusing so much on like the expansion or the breath, then there's more than enough to, to deal with here. So 100%, yeah. but 100%, yeah, it's an important mindset for sure. Well, well, thank you, Andrew, for, for coming on. Uh, that's going to do it all for uh, today's episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Uh, join us again next week as I sit down and talk with Sean SVV, who has over 1.2 million followers and creates content around the terms and service of and legal, legal documents of uh, TikTok and the algorithm. So that's, that's going to be very interesting. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on uh, either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the YouTubes. Uh, rate it five stars. Hit the like button. Share it with everyone you know. Leave your comments down below. Uh, and check out my socials down below and sauce your boy a follow. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.